Father, we, we thank you so much, God, for your amazing grace in our lives. And God, I just think as we were, as we were singing those songs and lifting up our hearts and, and Lord, how great it is to worship you and, and freely worship you, express, Lord, what we feel and the, the, what you're doing in us. And so God, as we think about that and kind of transition from that into the word and, and look at what you're showing us in the word and kind of relate to, man, I wonder, I wonder how those songs would have sounded in, in Paul's ear or, or as he sang them. Lord, bless this time. Open it up and, and work in us in a mighty way, a powerful way. And Lord, we look forward to, God, how you're gonna challenge every single one of us tonight whether you're gonna challenge us to go deeper with you, whether you're gonna challenge us to, to, to uh, Lord, begin to trust you in areas we've held back, or whether you're gonna just bring, bring us to that relationship right in the beginning, we look forward to what's gonna happen. Bless this time, have your hand upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Paul's in prison writing to some people who are not in prison. And it sort of always blows my mind when I read these three letters we're gonna, we're gonna do. We did Ephesians, we're doing Philippians, and we're gonna do Colossians. And thinking about how he interacted with those people from prison and his heart. And it always blows my mind the things he says, the things he writes down, and the heart he has. And I believe that his big secret was because he stayed close to Jesus. And he had that intimate relationship with Jesus and his relationship with Jesus was built on truth which set him free. And Paul was free to have that joy, to have that peace in the midst of, I think circumstances be horrible. I don't know about you guys, but I'm thinking if I'm in a jail in Rome and they're more than likely going to chop my head off, I don't know how much joy I could have. But Paul, man, he keeps expressing it over and over and over. And once again, it's not that emotional thing we feel. It's that deep abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. He was so close to the Lord. And, you know, I, I, I pray that tonight as we read this, we can kind of feel what Paul is feeling for the Lord and it can empower us, you know, in our struggles Hey, I'm looking around, I see people, I know you've got struggles, you've got things going on, difficult things, hard things. Some of us get news that we never expected we would get, and you're trying to process and work through that. And if we have the truth, the truth will set us free in the midst of that. So Paul writing to them, remember he's, he's been writing about joy, he's been rejoicing that the gospel is shared, even if it cost him everything, right? His thing was, I don't care, I just don't want to put the Lord to shame whether it's by living or by dying. And then he makes a statement. Most of us know verse 21, right? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's verse 21. That's an easy verse to memorize. It's a good verse to memorize. But what sort of blows my mind, studying it this time, and I got to be honest, I hadn't paid that much attention to it. But if you look in your Bible, the verb is is in italics. What does it mean in your Bible when something's in italics? I know some of you got, like now you're looking really close. <laughs> what does it mean when it's in italics? It means it was added. It's not in the original language. So think about this. Here's what Paul stated in Greek. 
For me to live Christ, to die gain. That's what he's saying. He, and, and listen, here's what I think it's implied in that. He didn't need the verb to make it a reality for him. For Paul to live Christ, everything about his life, listen, everything he did, every direction he went was all about Jesus and promoting the gospel, getting the gospel out, the church growing. And so when he lived, everything about him was that fragrance of Christ, was that promotion of Christ. Sometimes that's good news, sometimes it's bad news, right? Sometimes it's a blessing for people, sometimes it's a cursing. But that's what he said. And then, and then here's the thing. And so if I die, all that I do when I die is I gain the reality of what I've been doing by faith, right? Hey, we walk by faith and we trust by faith. When we die, we get the reality, so that is gaining, right? It's not gaining like what some people think. I get this, it's gaining the reality of what I've been practicing by faith. Man, I look at that and I think, that's a great verse to memorize. But it's a really great verse to flesh out and to live. Not that we need to die, but that we really grasp the understanding and we work at our relationship with the Lord in such a way that that's a reality in our lives, not just a verse that we memorize, not something that we're just saying. And again, I, Paul's not writing this to encourage the Philippians, oh man, I hope they believe this, and I hope this gets a hold of their hearts, and I hope they're blessed. He's writing it because it's true in his life. He's expressing something that's going on, and here's what sort of blows my mind. As he expresses this, I believe he's saying, oh, now I guess I need to explain that. And I believe, listen, I believe the next couple verses were getting into Paul's head. I think he wrote that out and then went, oh, let's talk about that. And then we kind of get this dialogue. Do you guys ever have dialogues in your head? Yeah, I do too. My mom always warned me. I'd be in the back of the car just yakking away. My mom, who are you talking to, Pat? Nobody, there's nobody back here. And then she would always tell me, it's okay as long as you don't start answering yourself, which I'm seeing Paul do, right? So I think it's okay. If Paul could do it, it's okay to answer yourself. I don't think that was such a taboo like my mom would put stigma on it and stuff. And, and so, well, something popped into my head about my mom, but never mind. <laughs> do you know when the Cuban Missile Crisis happened? Remember that? Some of us were alive then. Remember Kennedy and Khrushchev and the standoff? My mom, I, I just got to tell this story. We got time. <laughs> this is my mom. She takes, us, takes me to school. I don't know where my brother was. Takes me to school. I'm getting out of the car. She gives me, she's got tears. And she's giving me this big kiss. And she goes, the world may end today. And this may be the last time I ever see you. And you're sending me to school? I'm thinking, what is the matter with you? That's my mom. That's a picture of my mom. Has nothing to do with the study. But that's not my mom. And I'm thinking, you think the world's ending and you're making me go to school? Who cares about school, right? But now back to the study. Paul makes this amazing statement that, again, I think it's something good to get in our hearts, but man, we need to, we need to ask God to make it so real to us. And I don't think this statement is all about trying to come to the place where we're not afraid of dying. Paul's not talking about the act of dying. He's talking about the consequences of dying. And so I don't think you need to, you know, try and, 
bolster yourself up. And, and that, he's trying to say, listen, when we live, it's all about Jesus. When we die, it's all about Jesus. And so then he says this. This is sort of what blows my mind. I think he's having that conversation in his head. Verse 22. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor, yet what shall I choose, I cannot tell. So here's what he's thinking. He just made that statement, and he goes, so if I live, listen, I'm gonna bear fruit. How many of you can really say that? If I live, I'm gonna bear fruit from Jesus. That's what I know. Paul knew that, why? Because he had that intimate relationship. And I don't think he's boasting. I think he's just stating a fact. I love reading different letters of Paul and kind of jotting down the autobiographical remarks he makes. And you sort of start getting an idea of his character and who he is and kind of taking him, in some ways, kind of taking him out of context. And what did Paul say about himself here? What did Paul say about himself here? What did he say here? And you begin to get a portrait of who Paul really is. And here's what he's saying. I have this dilemma for me to live Christ, for me to die gain. And now I have this dilemma. If I live, listen, I can produce fruit. He knows that he can do that. And then he says, but on the other side, he says, verse 23, for I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Hey, if I live, here's what I know. I'm gonna do good things. And I even think he's talking to the Philippians. I'm gonna do good things in your life. Good things are gonna happen, that I know. Why? Because I'm in love with Jesus. And there's nothing that's gonna happen to that. But man, I am so, I'm so torn. I'm so torn because, man, to depart would be so much better than living, right? And here's a guy more than likely facing death. More than likely he's gonna die. And he says, so listen, man, to depart would be to be with Christ? How much better is that? Now listen, he's not having a death wish. He's not on the verge of suicide. He's not thinking of all those things. He's just thinking of the reality. They may chop my head off tomorrow. That's cool, right? Again, not the process, but the consequences. I know where I'm going. Paul had that guarantee. And, you know, I think, I think what he's trying to express here is, hey, when that day comes, whether it's the rapture or whether I die, there's not gonna be a great change in how I act and what I do. I'm acting now by faith serving Jesus Christ. When I die, I will see him and serve him. But he's really, listen, listen what he's saying. I really wanna go to heaven. Not I really hope I get to go to heaven. I really wanna go to heaven. Well, you gotta kinda get into 2 Corinthians to hear what he's saying, right? Nine times I was beaten with rods, you know, 40 lashes I received. I was night and a day in the open sea. He wrecked so many boats. And you gotta understand what he's saying, that all of the things he suffered, and now he's in prison, quote, illegally? He's saying, man, heaven looks pretty good right now. So I really wanna go, but if I stay, here's what I know, if I stay, I can accomplish things for Jesus. I have this desire to serve him. Would to God that we all had that heart, that my life is about Serving Jesus and loving Jesus and serving others in the midst of that. I love that heart of Paul. And then he says, listen, then he says, hey, verse 24, nevertheless, 
to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Here's what I kind of think he's saying. I really want to go to heaven, but I know I need to stay for you. Paul always put others before Paul. It was about others. And I'm thinking, I think the church in Philippi is doing pretty good. But he wants to stay for them. He wants to make sure. He wants to make sure they grow. He knows there's more work to be done. He knows he can influence them to a greater degree and even push them further along in their walk. And I believe, listen, I believe that's the heart of any true pastor. A true pastor always wants to see people elevated and raised up and to to walk with the Lord in a more significant way than they're walking with the Lord today. Just helping them along, bringing them along. I mean, that's my heart. Some people are asking me, and, and I don't know why, but lately more people are asking more. Like, when are you gonna retire? I, don't, I, guess, I, I guess they think I'm tired. <laughs> and I'm not done yet, you know? I don't feel done yet. Some of you, you can tell me if you think I'm done, but I'm not done yet. But listen, man, you just wanna push people along. Why? I have a burden to make sure that we're where we need to be I don't want to give up yet. And so that's what Paul's saying here. I'm not ready to go, man. I know that if I remain in the flesh, it's more needful for you. Verse 25, and being confident of this, this is sort of what blows my mind, being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you you all for your progress and joy of the faith that that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. That's a bold statement. Now here's the complexity of that statement. Did Paul get out of prison after this time and did he get to Philippi? Now listen, I think he got out of prison for a short time because he had two major imprisonments in Rome. But did he get to Philippi? He's kind of alluding here, I'm going to Philippi. Doesn't matter. I'm gonna get there. And here's what, here's what he's saying. I know if I come to you, it's gonna be for your good. And you're gonna be able to rejoice. Hey, the people there are freaking out because Paul's in prison. And it's upsetting them. And he says, hey, you're gonna be able to rejoice and there's gonna be the rejoicing uh, uh, for me. And he says, may it be more abundant. But listen to this. In Jesus Christ, by my coming to you. All of this is about Jesus, right? So Paul made this great declaration Here's my life, and here's what my life is all about. Jesus. Whether I'm breathing or whether I'm not. And I would really like to go be with him. That's that's what I really want to do. But for your sake, I'm going to stay. Now, I don't believe Paul had to call on this, right? I don't believe like he called, you know, Caesar up and goes, hey, cancel the execution I gotta go to Philippi. So I don't think he had that kind of control, but he's letting him know this is, this is his dilemma. So now as he's writing them and letting them know, I wanna come and see you again, now we're gonna kinda get to the nitty gritty. Now Paul is going to tell them what's expected of them in their relationship with the Lord and how they can change the world. I believe, listen, I believe the next couple verses for us should be something that would be a catalyst for us to be busy about things in our world and not so consumed with ourselves. So Paul, listen, 
He says, right, I know that I want to come to you. Uh, he says, I'm being confident of this, that I'm going to get there, and that I'm going to be there, that you'll be rejoicing. And then he says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So when he's saying only, listen, this is a real heavy statement that he's making. Make sure, make sure your conduct is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word Paul uses there, you might even say, make sure your citizenship is worthy. And I think he picked that word for a specific reason. As citizens, you're part of a country. You're part of something bigger, right? You're part of more than who you are. And most citizens appreciate their their country and appreciate where they're at. And I've always thought it's cool. I know some uh, brothers in the Lord, brothers and sisters in the Lord, that end up getting dual citizenship. And I kind of like that idea. And, and you know, I've kind of always been a little jealous, like a little transparency here. I get a little jealous, like, man, you get dual citizenship. You know, you're part of two countries. You can travel a little freer with certain passports and, and et cetera. I kind of think that way you can get into certain countries with a different passport than a USA passport, which gives you a better opportunity to share the gospel. And, and my mind starts going. And, and I get a little jealous, and Jesus whispers in my ear, you are a dual citizen. You're a citizen here, and you're a citizen in heaven. And here's what Paul says. Make sure your citizenship is reflected in the way you live. Make sure people know that you are a citizen of heaven. I kind of like that idea. Now, Philippi was a colony of Rome, right? And at that time when Rome made these colony cities, they would make them little Romes. And they would be, you know, they'd try to, try to duplicate everything that's going on in Rome needs to go on here for their citizenship. So think about, think about what's going on. These guys are pretty proud. Hey, the Philippians are pretty proud. I almost said the Filipinos, but the Philippians. <laughs> they're, pretty, they're pretty proud that they're citizens of Rome. And they, they, listen, and that's come out in their persecution of Paul, in their persecution of the church. And here's what he's saying. That's, that's good. But you got a greater citizenship you need to be worried about. So he says, listen, I'm planning on coming to you, and I might make it, and he's kind of pretty confident he's going to make it, right? And I'm going to make it only, listen carefully, only let your citizenship be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go back and read all of chapter one, and you'll kind of get this common theme about Paul. Paul is all about the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the good news, getting it out. Why? Because truth is important. And truth is going to the truth that you digest is gonna determine how you live. And truth is gonna govern how you live. And Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And so Paul is saying, listen, if you really are citizens of heaven, and that's true, then let it come out in your lives. Let it be reflected to those around you. Now, I kind of like that. Although you hear that, and it's a little bit daunting, isn't it? It's a little bit intense, like, wow, I don't know if I could live up to that. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I would represent God well. I don't even represent the United States of America well sometimes. 
So I got something bigger that I need to think about. How can I do that? So he goes on here, and he says, listen, be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs. Now listen what he says. Here's, here's part of the key, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, serving together for the faith of the gospel. Here's what Paul is saying, man. You guys need to get together and you make this decision that you're going to be first and foremost united. And this is something I believe the church has lost. Listen, you're going to lock arms together and you're going to be a force to be reckoned with against this world. I want you to make sure you're doing that. And as a fellowship in Philippi, you guys lock arms and you serve the king the way you're supposed to serve the king. The problem is in the church, we're too busy backbiting, gossiping, saying bad things about one another behind one another's back. We're eating each other. And Paul, listen man, that is so foreign to Paul's thinking as a church. The church should be busy about serving the Lord that we are together whenever we have our staff meeting. And, and you know, I praise God, we have a great staff in this church. And I hope you know that. We have men and women involved in this church that love you guys, that want to make sure that things are right. And I look at the staff, and you know what? Man, we are so together in the direction we're going. And here is what Paul's saying. You need to, number one, you need to be together. And I know I've said it before, but that's the importance of gathering physically together. We can't do things together if we're not together. It's really profound, I'm from Bisbee. <laughs> but he says, listen man, you need to do that. And so as, as I read this, listen, did you, I'm gonna go over that last part again. One mind striving together for the faith and the gospel. Or he says, I'm sorry, you need to stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together. So first of all, we need to be people who we're gonna stand and we're gonna stand on the truth and we're not gonna let other stuff creep in. I'm convinced that we need to be people who know our Bibles, who understand our Bibles, but more importantly, who believe our Bibles, and we're going to put ourselves under the authority of Scripture. We need to do that. We need to stand firm. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what other people come in and tell you. I don't care if they mock you, make fun of you, call you a Bible thumper, whatever all of the terms are. We need to be, number one, we need to be standing firm and standing strong. Number two, he says, listen, we need to be of one spirit. He's not talking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying we need to have that same drive with us. Have you ever noticed in sports, there can be a really, really, really good team with, I mean, A players and, and et cetera, and then there can be a team that has not so good players, still good, but not the greatest. But if that team that's kind of the underdog has that spirit and that togetherness, they can beat anybody. I remember, I remember one of the great upsets of all time, the 1980 Olympics. Remember the USA hockey team? God, I remember. I was firing my kiln. I remember I was up at 4 a.m. watching that because up, up working on my kiln. I got to see it live and see that happen. Yes, they weren't, hey, they weren't the best, but what was it about them? 
And every time I think of that team, I think, man, that's what we need to be as a church. We need to be people, listen, we're standing together strong, we're standing firm, we need to be people, man, we got one spirit, and our spirit is to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out into the city of Sierra Vista and the regions beyond. We need to go that direction and have that unity, and then he talks about one mind. Now listen, he's not talking about mindlessness, but that we would have that, that agreement together. Here's what we're gonna do, and we're gonna go forward with it, and we're going to agree to do that. I love that idea. Now, once again, he's not saying we all have to be clones of each other, but we have to have that idea. Here's the thing. What is most important to you today? I'm hoping it's the gospel of Jesus Christ and that relationship with him. And then as we go forward, and then, and then that last part here, once again, he says, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Saints, we got a battle I don't know if you're paying much attention, but the world's not real interested in what we have to say. The media, the powers to be, they don't care. And here's what happens with some of us. We just kind of go, who cares? We're gonna hide away in our little Christian culture bubble, and we're gonna stay away from all of that, and we're gonna make sure we're not touching the outside world. I poked the bubble. Saints, we need to be out there. We need to be striving together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be letting the world, hey, guess who you're dealing with? You're dealing with the church of Jesus Christ. Whenever I think about that, I think of, of Goliath. I think of David going out to Goliath, right? And don't you love, man, David looks at that giant and he goes, hey, I come against you in the name of the living God. You might be a giant, I might be a squirt, but you're gonna die. And remember Goliath said to him, hey, I'm gonna feed your flesh to the birds. And David says, great minds think alike, bro, because that's just what I had in mind about you. That's my translation. <laughs> when was the last time you went out in boldness and said, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, and here's what we're doing. That's what he's telling us to do. I read this and I get really excited. I think, man, come on, let's go, let's walk, let's, let's just like walk out right now, not right now, right now, but right now, right? Let's go, and then he says this, verse 28, and not in any way, not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Here's what he's saying, let's go, and let's not have that fear of those who are gonna come against you, because guess what? They are going to come against you, and they're going to, hate you, they're gonna despise you, but don't be terrified about that. And here's what I love, he goes, listen, they're coming against you, which to them is proof or a sign of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. Here's what he's saying, because people are coming against you, that's a sign of who they are. That's a sign of they're on their way to destruction. But it's also a sign to you that you're part of the family of God, right? It's kind of like that whole thing. Hey, you come against me, it's, it's a sad thing when the world begins to embrace the church. You know what that tells me? Church is doing something wrong. Something's not happening that should be happening. And I see that big time right now in American Christianity. We're trying to make it popular. We're trying to make it palatable. Why should we make it popular? Why should, we, why should we make people like 
think that it's, you know, the end thing to do. I want people to get saved because they know that they're a sinner and they sinned against a holy God and they've offended a holy God and that he has every right to condemn them and, and uh, condemn them for eternity and they want, listen, they want salvation, not because it's a cool, hip, in thing to do, not that we're, you know, the latest, greatest. I want people to understand there's this thing called separation from God that needs to be taken care of. So Paul says, listen man, they're gonna come against you, and yet we're not terrified of them. Now the, part of me thinks, it's easy for you to say, Paul. I think it's kind of terrifying when people come and attack me, whether it's verbally or come at me physically. And he says, but listen man, we're not gonna be terrified. I kinda like that, he's building them up, right? He says, and not any way terrified by your adversaries, which to them is proof or a sign of perdition, but to you of salvation that you, uh, that, that is from God, so that you're from God. For, now look at verse 29, kind of Paul wrapping this up for them. For to you it has been granted. Now, I wrote on top of that grace, because the word there is grace. So I want you to think about what Paul's saying right now. He's telling this church, they need to get together. They need to do it. They need to go for it, right? Kind of a good pep talk. And then he says, listen, because to you, to you it's been graced. Something has been graced. When you read that, don't, you guys are reading on. Don't read on yet. <laughs> when he says it's been graced, I'm thinking, whoa, blessings. Right? Don't you kind of think that? It's going to be so nice. Listen to what he says. This blows my mind. He says, for to you has been graced on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Oh. Oh. Who claims verse 29 of chapter one? Not popular in this day and age. Not popular to tell people it has been gifted to you, grace to you, that you get to suffer for Jesus Christ. Oh, no, 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 Pat. No, 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 you don't understand. We're victorious. We're conquerors. We're gonna go forward. Yeah, all of that's true. But you're not of this world. And this world is going to come against you. Didn't Jesus say, if they hated me, they're gonna hate you? Didn't Paul say, in the last days, Things are gonna happen and it's gonna blow your mind. Again, a paraphrase of Pat. Didn't he say to be ready? And it's been gifted. When was the last time something really came against you for sharing the gospel and, and representing Jesus and something came upon you and you went, wow, that was such a blessing. It was a gift from God. We usually don't look at it that way, do we? But isn't that what Paul's saying? I was saying, man, here's the gift for you. Here's what you get. And I listen, I read verse 29 and I'm thinking, wow. That's kind of an odd way to tell the church to get it together, to get the gospel out, and then by proclaiming to them, it's gonna cost you. And I believe in the church in America, we've flipped that around and we don't think it should cost us to share the gospel. We don't want to be offensive. We don't want to come across as Bible thumpers. We don't want to be, come across as Puritans. We're a little bit afraid to say the truth and therefore the people are not being set free. 
Now, hear my heart. I don't think we need to be jerks for Jesus. Nothing bothers me more than when I see people like, you know, just jerking out. It's a new phrase. And they're out there, listen man, and they're, they're out there and they're like so misrepresenting Jesus. And I, I always wanna walk up when that's happening and I always wanna walk up and defend the person that they're coming down on. And say, whoa, wait a minute. The gospel should offend, not the person giving the gospel. The truth should offend, not the truth teller. And Paul was good at that. There's another guy who was really, really, really good at it. His name's Jesus. And yet today, here's what I see happening. We need to compromise, dial it back a bit. Let's bring it back a bit so that we're not so offensive to people and we can ease them in. Even, you know, several years ago, we called that the emergent church and we weren't real happy with it. I don't know if, how many of you have been around to remember that kind of whole that move, movement going on. And now today, I look at the majority of the church is emergent. We're trying to woo people in. Is that Paul's style? Is that what he's telling us to do here? Is he telling us, that, hey, it's gonna be okay? No, he's saying, listen, man, you need to go for it, and when you go for it, people are going to persecute you. Whenever, whenever I, I, I read that section, I think of, of in Acts, in Acts chapter five. Remember in Acts chapter five, they get arrested and they get beaten? I love this, listen. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, whining and hollering that they were abused and taken advantage of. No, what does it say? They went from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Christians, they were like, yes. I can just hear Peter, yes, yes. Ouch, yes. <laughs> and that's what Paul's saying here. And listen, we need to reflect that same gospel to the world today. You can't, listen, you can't, you can't palletize, how's that for a new word? The gospel. The gospel will always offend people because it's truth. And here's what I found. Truth draws lines in the sand and you're on one side or the other. And so, listen, so he says, for you it's been graced. I wanna read that again so it gets in our heart. On behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him. Now, most of us like that part, right? We understand that was a gift from God, right? Nod your heads like you pretend you understand, right? Our believing in him was a gift he's given us, right? And But we don't want to say suffering was a gift he's given us, but it is. He says not only to believe in him, right? He says, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me. Listen to what Paul is saying. Do you remember what happened to Paul in Philippi? Remember he hung out with, with uh, Lydia? And they began to pray and they began to rejoice and then he delivered that girl from a demon and things kind of went downhill. He got put in jail, him and Silas. And as they're hanging in jail 
And it even says in Acts that they're singing songs. What kind of worship songs do you think they're singing as they're hanging in jail? Shake these prison walls. Shake them down. I don't know what they're singing. But then that shaking came, didn't it? You remember what Paul did? Remember what he did? Because he's writing to people who were eyewitnesses to that, or at least close by. Do you remember after everything shook, the jailer was going to kill himself? Remember what Paul said? Oh, 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 oh. We're all right here. Don't worry about it. Chill. And then they sent word to let Paul out. Do you remember? Do you remember what Paul did? Uh, 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 uh. Uh, uh. Have the mayor come and talk to me personally. He put me in here. I'm a Roman citizen, so he can come and talk to me. You know what's sort of blessing me right now? Are you keeping up on some of the news? There's four churches right now who are being paid back by states who made them close their doors. Yeah. One in Nevada just won a $175,000 lawsuit against the government of Nevada for making them shut their doors. Hey, it's coming back, right? No, you can't do that. We're citizens, and that's some good stuff going on. And here's what Paul's saying. You saw what happened to me. You guys were eyewitnesses to it. And then he says, listen, not only did you see that at the end of that, now here is, uh, or you saw which, uh, I'm sorry, the conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. So now they're removed from it, but they know the same thing's going on with Paul. Now in all of this, do you notice what Paul didn't say? I think it's a glaring silence. He never said, pray that I get out of here. He never said, I really want out of jail. He never said, come on, guys, come on, get me out of this hole, right? He says, you guys know what's going on. I know what's going on, but here's the thing. I got this joy deep down in my heart, and it has nothing to do with circumstances and everything to do with my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I believe we need to get to that place where it doesn't matter. Listen, and I know, I know it's, some of it's painful, and I'm sure it was painful for him, but it didn't take away from his relationship with Jesus Christ. Didn't diminish the joy that he had with his Lord just because he's going through those things. And I believe, I believe what he's trying to tell these guys in this last couple verses is don't let that diminish as people come against you, as people persecute you because they're going to. Don't let that diminish the joy that you have in Jesus Christ. Hang on to that. How do you hang on to that? It's not mystical. How do you hang on to that? By reading your Bible. By believing your Bible. By prayer. And by fellowship. That's how you get to that place. And saints, we need to be stronger now more than ever. I see this, the whole world, like just changing, I believe, and, and again, sometimes I think maybe it's just you start getting old and you see things. I think it's changing like it's never changed before at a more rapid pace than it's ever happened before. And a lot of it, I think, is social media, instantaneous communication, but it's, a lot of it is not true communication. That's what's fearful. 
But man, we're seeing a vast change. You and I have the opportunity to represent Jesus Christ in the midst of that change. Now listen carefully. If you represent him well, not everybody's going to really like you. Not everybody's going to embrace you. I was in a store today. It's sometimes easier for me to do things than you because I was in a store and this, I was getting ready to check out at a self-check and this girl said, aren't you that pastor guy? I always think that's funny, right? Aren't you that pastor guy? And I go, well, it depends on which one you're talking about. She goes, that pastor guy, you, you're over at Calvary, you're on the radio, you're that guy, aren't you? And I go, yeah, that's me. And she goes, I used to go to your church a lot. And I said, well, the doors are still open. We didn't close the church. I know, I'm just so busy, so busy. And I'm going, at Target? Come on. And you're wiping down the self-check thing. You're not that busy. And I said, well, you know what? Our doors are open. You need to come back. I said, you need to get back in church. And she goes, I might come Sunday. So we'll see. But see, I get an open door because people see me. I'm hoping that people see that in you. Aren't you that Christian guy? Aren't you that guy that you read your Bible? You're that guy, aren't you? Yeah, that's me. And you begin those conversations and you share with people. Let's do that, huh? So, what does he say? As a church, let's pretend we're the church at Philippi. Now we're the church at Sierra Vista, right? So what are we gonna do? Let's stand firm right? Let's be firm in our belief. Let's not waver. Let's be one in spirit, one in mind. And man, let's be people that we strive for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let's change the world. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the challenge that we have here. And Lord, the first part, the first part is Paul's expressing himself. It's kind of that, what I said, that autobiographical part. And it's an encouragement. And it's good for us to read and good for us to understand. I even like the idea that here's this guy who's planted churches, who wrote most of the New Testament, and yet we get a glimpse into his struggles, is trying to decide, here's my dilemma. I don't know which way to go. I don't know which is better. And as he irons that out, Lord, it shows us how to work through situations that we're involved with. And even when we're choosing between really good and the best, that there's still that. But Lord, most of all, I pray that is the church of Jesus Christ in the city of Sierra Vista, that God, we would be those people that we would come together. We would not let outside influences mess us up. We would not let little things gather in our heart 
that would cause us to break off and not be part of the team. But I pray that we would lock arms right now, tonight. And that we would desire with all of our being that the gospel of Jesus Christ would flow throughout the city and that we would know every corner, every nook, every cranny is getting the gospel of Jesus Christ because we as the church are busy doing it. Work in us, Lord. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more minutes. And if you are here tonight and, and listen, the Lord touched your heart and maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe even you've been a religious person, but you've never given your heart to Jesus. Tonight is the night. Right now is the time. You didn't come here by mistake. So as Paul declared to live as Christ and to die as gain, what he was declaring is that he has a relationship with Jesus Christ, and he knows where he's going. And to be able to come to that place, to have that kind of confidence, that kind of assurance, you need to be a person who you've been real with God. You need to come to the place where you can boldly let the Lord know, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I've sinned against you, and God, I'm sorry that I sinned against you. That's what the Bible means by calling on his name. So here's the thing. You have to admit you're a sinner, and you have to be sorry for your sin. And you have to have that understanding. Your sin has separated you from God. That's all bad news. The good news, Jesus went to the cross and repaired that relationship, died on the cross so you could have a relationship with the creator of the universe. So if you want that to be reality in your life tonight, I'm gonna say a prayer. And you can say this prayer with me out loud. You can say it silently, but it's gotta come from your heart. Hey, if you're watching online right now, you can say this prayer with us. You don't have to be here. If you're backslidden tonight, man, come home. Come back to Jesus. Call on his name. Say this prayer. Jesus, tonight I confess that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now, I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life and guide me. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.